Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad to see you guys here. Are you happy to be in the house of God? There's no other place I'd rather be. This is home sweet home. We're here with family. Like he said, I'm Natalie. My husband and I are the campus pastors here, and I just love this place. I love this place. Um, honored to be a part of what God is doing here across the globe, in this country, in this city, and I'm happy to get to share with you this morning. I'm here because of a yes, and I'll start with a little story about my yes. Um, I gave this yes to the Lord in 2020, so not too long ago. The Lord has always been, um, I grew up knowing the Lord, following Jesus, church every Sunday. He's been my Lord and Savior for my whole life. But in 2020, when the world started turning upside down, you guys remember this, it was around March, it's when we sent our kids, or we brought our kids home from spring break, and then we never got to send them back. <laughs> Y'all remember this? Well, it was in this time where I knew the Lord was doing something. He was moving, and I knew he was moving with the body of Christ. And so I had this moment with the Lord where I just surrendered everything. I'm a pretty driven person. I've got my plans and my goals and my dreams, and I just laid them all out for the Lord. And I said, Lord, I'm going to give you my yes. This is my surrender to everything I've ever wanted to do. This is my yes to what you want to do through me. So just use me. I'm here. And it wasn't long after that that I think Keith, Brayden, and Leanne, our senior pastors, started having some secret back room meetings with the Lord because I started asked to do things that were way out of my comfort zone. So this is part of my yes. And I told the Lord I wouldn't beat down any doors, but that I would just say yes to whatever came. And so here we are. So I'm probably not going to wow you with some new end times eschatology. I'll look that word up. This is my second time preaching. I'm not going to wow you with that. I'm probably not going to give you some divine revelation. There's nothing new under the sun. I do have one catchy one-liner, and I ripped it off of someone else. But what I do hope to do today is to inspire you to step up. Because we are the body of Christ. And if anyone needs to step up at any time, it's us. So I want to motivate you and inspire you to sell out to him. To give him your yes. To put your goals and dreams and aspirations on the side. And turn towards the Lord. And give him your full Yes, we've got to step up. We've got to step up to the call of God on our life. So today's message is a call to lead. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for what you're doing in our country, for what you're doing in our city. And Lord, I thank you for the, the things that you are doing through our church. And so Lord, I just ask that my words are actually your words. And that when I speak them, that they accomplish that which you set them forth to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So I believe we are in a very unique season as believers. I believe the Lord is setting the right people in place to lead. I think there's a line in the sand that's being drawn, and it isn't political, although the enemy would like you to believe that. 
But the Lord is calling on his people to lead like we've never led before. And I'm excited about it. Because despite all the doom and gloom things that are going on out there, can we just take a minute to celebrate one of the greatest miracles this nation has ever seen? The overturning of Roe versus Wade. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. The hand of God was on that decision. And I firmly believe that the Lord set those Supreme Court justices in that place, and he called them to lead, and they did. And a lot of times what the Lord will do in the natural, he's already doing it or is simultaneously doing it in the spirit. And so I believe the Lord is calling us to step up and lead where we are right now. So I want to ask you today, what does it look like for you to lead? What does it look like for us to step up and lead like God has called us to do? Um, for me, previous to this ministry stint, um, I was on track to become a principal. I was a teacher and a coach for six years. I loved it. I felt like the Lord was challenging me to step up and lead in a greater capacity. So obviously, I would become a principal, right? So I went for it. I got involved on some committees. I got to be a part of hiring a new principal at the high school that I was at. I got my master's degree in teacher leadership. It's collecting dust in my attic. Because not soon after that, the Lord says, okay, great, good job. I want you to move to Midland. Midland? Never even been to Midland. I want you to move to Midland. Join your friends, Braden and Leanne, at Renew Life Church. And also join your husband in ministry. And now here I am, and I'm preaching. And I didn't even know how I felt about women in ministry to begin with. The first time I was asked to preach, I just trusted Braden and Leanne and Keith. And they put me on the preaching calendar and said, do it. And I was like, okay. And I went to the Lord, and I was like, Lord, between you and me, if I mess this up, it's totally on them, right? And he's like, yeah. And so, and so I went for it, you know, full of confidence. If I mess it up, it's on them. They told me to do it. But this time it was a little bit different. For some reason this time when they asked me to preach again, it was still the same thing. I've known about this for six months. I felt differently. I immediately started to disqualify myself. Put me in a principal position and I'll crush it. Put me in ministry, leading looks like speaking, and me speaking scared me to death. I kept asking the Lord. I prayed about it. I cried about it. I pouted to Keith about it. I remember one night after like the 18th night in a row where I was complaining about it, he literally looked at me and said, you're doing it. And then he rolled over and started scrolling on his phone. But that kind of settled it for me. And so me, being the submissive wife that I am, I said, Lord, Keith told me that I'm doing it. So if he told me that I'm doing it, can you just confirm it? Like, can you just, can you speak to me, Lord? And I prayed this and I prayed this and months and months passed and I got nothing. And finally, about a week ago, 
I was like, Lord, you're going to have to help me out because I can't even like prepare a message because I don't even know if I'm supposed to give one. So can you please, Lord, give me a word? And so I looked up Lisa Bevere, you know, she's definitely a preacher girl. I looked her up, just searched Lisa Bevere, got to her webpage, scrolled to the bottom. I don't even know why. But then the words popped out to me. It said, the great commission is your permission. And so when I read that, it was like I read it with my spirit, if that makes sense. Because it felt like those words, I wasn't reading them, I was hearing them straight from the lips of a good father. The Great Commission says this, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that scripture didn't say anything about being a man or a woman. It was given to all Christians. It is a command. It is our call to lead. So regardless of whatever we have to disqualify us, we've got to get over it because we are called to lead. And in order for us to do that, in order for us to lead like God has called us to lead, we have to stop disqualifying ourselves. I spoke to a man in between services he just turned 90, and the Lord is still speaking to him. So if you feel like you're too old, there's a 90-year-old that comes to our first service, and there's also a man named Noah. He was 600 when he led his family onto the ark. There was a king named Josiah who was eight years old when he took the throne and became one of the greatest leaders Jerusalem had ever seen. There was a man named Moses who despite his lowly, lowly Hebrew race, born of a slave, he was called and chosen by God to do what? To lead his people out of Egypt. And maybe you're a woman in here today and you feel like you need to be quiet. <laughs> Sometimes we do. Sometimes I do. But thank God Esther didn't. Because if she had been quiet, then thousands and thousands of Jews would have been mass executed in her day. Her family would have been wiped out. Your age, your race, your gender, none of these things can disqualify you for the position God has called you to lead in. I feel like Paul said it best in one of my favorite scriptures in Ephesians 4. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord beg you, and he's speaking to the church here, he's speaking to Christians, he says, I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. These words are meant for me and you. We've been called by God to lead. So I really, I really want to give you some insight into this as to how God has created you specifically, individually to lead. I want to give you three ways to help you discover how God has created you to lead. It's not going to be a five-step process. I'm not going to give you seven highly effective habits. Um, those are great books. I've read them. They're amazing. 
But I believe that God has gifted us, anointed us, and put us each in specific places to lead. And I want to help you get there. So number one, the first thing you need to know is your spiritual gift. This is where you start. Everybody in here has a spiritual gift. He didn't leave you out, and he hasn't taken it away. He's not waiting for you to earn it. In fact, Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, The gifts of the Lord are without repentance. They're irrevocable. See, God has given you these gifts to reflect himself to the world, to lead the world. We call these gifts redemptive gifts. And the Bible talks about all different kinds of gifts. But these are called redemptive gifts. These are your spiritual gifts. They are most like your personality and your DNA, how God has wired you. It's going to get kind of teachy for a second, but I like to nerd out sometimes. These gifts will help you to explain, help you know why you are the way that you are. So I'm going to read them to you. Romans 12, 6. You have one of these. One of them will jump out. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If one's gift is prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is giving, let him give generously. If it is leading, let him lead with diligence. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. You need to understand that you have one of these seven gifts. Now, can we all serve? Yes. And we should on the children's team. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm the children's pastor too. But we should all serve. Yes. Should we give? Yes. We should all give. But I believe that for some of you, if your redemptive gift is giver, if God has wired you to be a giver, it actually lights you up on the inside. It lights you up on the inside when you're able to bless someone. It lights you up on the inside when you're able to bring your tithe to the Lord. You are the one that wants to buy somebody's coffee anonymously. You want to pick up their tab over there during dinner. This is why you do the things you do. It lights you up. It does more than fill your tank. It satisfies your spirit because you are spirit engaging in the spiritual gift that God gave you. It's really awesome. Here's the point. Knowing your gift will help you lead in the way God has graced you to lead. So if your gift is encouragement, then you should use that gift of encouragement to lead others. Why? Because it's almost like you have a gift of prophecy. You can see the gold in someone, and you can call it out, and you can speak to that thing, and you can encourage them as you lead them. When you discover his specific gift for you, you will lead in the way you're graced to lead. So you got to know your gift. The second thing you need to know is your role. Now, I'm going to step aside from the podium because I don't know if y'all know this, but I was a basketball player. And in the sports world, the term is know your role and shut your hole. And I know that sounds really aggressive. It would sound way better if I had a bun and like tennis shoes and we were like running laps together. But it's true. We need to know our roles, okay? Not everyone can lead the team in points, rebounds, steals, assists. You can't do it. Somebody's got to set the screen, but somebody's got to hit the shot. 
Both are vital to the success of the team. You've got to humble yourself when it's your turn to set the screen, and you've got to raise your confidence when it's your turn to hit the shot because it's about the team. Shameless plug, get your kids in sports. They need it. But it works the same way in the kingdom. You know the scripture. We are one body with many parts, right? Each part doing its part for the good of the body. It's vital for the body of Christ and for the advancement of the kingdom for us to know the role that we're in. And I'll speak for myself for a minute. Right now, my role, my primary role is mom. And yes, I'm a wife and I'm a dang good one. But my primary role right now is mom because I have three tiny disciples in my home right now. Okay, so I have one. He's 11. And he's too old to get spankings right now, but he still messes up. So I need to know my role when it comes to parenting him. I also have a six-year-old. And I'm trying to train him how to make him a snack without getting peanut butter all over the refrigerator, the pantry, the kitchen sink, and the cat. And then I have a two-year-old, my little princess, who we're potty training right now. And I have tried everything from singing silly songs to stickers to M&Ms, the mini M&Ms. At this point, I would give her a pony, okay? This role is not that glamorous. Can anybody relate? It is not glamorous. It's not going to make the news. I'm not going to get tens of tens of followers because I feel like that's probably what I have right now. But it's the role that I'm in. And I'm a mom. And it is my job to train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they grow old, they will not depart from it. That's the word of God. It's Proverbs 22. So I'm going to deal with the peanut butter and the potty training because I have a higher priority, and it is raising up my boys to become men. Men who know how to be men, who will stand up for justice and righteousness, who will lead this crazy world someday to a better place. It is my job as my daughter's mom to raise her up to follow Jesus with wild abandonment all the days of her life. She will worship him and follow him. She will hear his voice and a stranger's voice she will not follow because that is my role as her mom. Nobody can do it better than me and nobody can do it better than you. We've got to know our role. Embrace the role. I'm very passionate about parenting. Braden said one time in a message that we could change the world in 20 years if we would do one thing, raise good kids. So we're working our tail off in that kids ministry back there because I'm running that thing now. And we're going to raise them up and we are going to show them the word. They're worshiping in there. But it is my job and my home, our job with our kids to raise them upright. Just like we have a role that we're in, 
and a place that we're supposed to lead in, there's also roles that we're not supposed to be in and that we're actually not supposed to lead in. What's in front of you right now? Because here's the truth. We are not all called to lead in the same way, in the same level, at the same time, or in the same areas as everyone else. We are not all made to have the same amount of influence. And can I just say this? Success is not about how much influence you have. It's what you do with the influence you've been given. I've been given three kids. They have my unlimited influence. That's my role. And I think, I think sometimes it's easy to get sidetracked by everybody's different role and like, well, Lisa Bevere, what was she doing when she was my age? I mean, she was touring the whole country. We can all get very sidetracked by other people's roles and other people's callings. I think this even happened to James and John. This is a really funny story. James and John, the disciples of Jesus, Jesus hand-selected these guys. And they got to thinking about the sweet by and by, right? Someday, we want to sit at the right and left hand of Jesus. Mom, can you go talk to Jesus? That's literally what they did. James and John got their mom to go and talk to Jesus about when they all got to heaven, if they could sit on his right and left-hand side. Ridiculous, right? The word says in Matthew that the other disciples, when they found out what they had done, they were indignant. And I could just hear them now like, bro, know your role and shut your hole. <laughs> just kidding. They didn't say that. I would have said that. Jesus used the opportunity to set them straight to remind them of the role that they were in. Matthew 20, 28 says, Just as the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom to many. See, their role wasn't where they got to sit. Their role was who they got to serve. And finally, after you know your gift and you know your role, you got to know who you're with. This is one of my favorites. So much so that I wanted to title the message like, who you with? But see, just like that. When I said it in my brain, it sounded like really gangster. And then when it came out of my turkey Texas accent, it just didn't work. So we're just going to keep it classy. Number three, know who you're with. See, we have such conviction here about spiritual family. We love it. We're all about spiritual family, the good, the bad, the ugly. We love home churches. They're starting next month. We want you to get involved in a home church. We've placed a high value on that. Chris Ballatin, one of my favorite preachers, he says, if you find your people, you'll find your purpose. When you find your people, you'll find people who are invested in his kingdom. That means they're invested in you. You'll find people who are for you, who are your biggest cheerleaders, they will encourage you. They will celebrate you. If they're really good, they'll even set you straight. See, I need the encouragement of other moms to help me lead my kids. I need someone to set me straight when I start doubting if I can preach a message. I need people to tell me again when I fail, 
when I fail at leading someone to the Lord, when I fail at losing my temper in my home with my kids, I need people to encourage me to get back up and try again. I need people to remind me, just like you need people to remind you, that you are called by God to lead. So who are you for? Who are you encouraging? Stop looking for people to encourage you and be for you. You go find them. Find people who you can encourage. Find people that you can speak the truth to. Get in community. Because when you surround yourself with people who make you better, you get better. And just like it's important to know who we're with, it's vital to know who's with us. Remember earlier I talked about the Great Commission? The Great Commission, it's our permission to lead. Well, my favorite piece of that scripture is at the very end. And Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I think we forget about the significance of that statement. The greatest leader who ever walked the face of the earth, he said, I'm with you. That's powerful. I think the disciples got to see this power when they were with Jesus. They got to see the blind see, <laughs> the lame walk, dead being raised back to life. He could even command the wind and the waves. They got to see this power when they were with Jesus. In his presence, I believe that they were instilled with boundless courage and unwavering faith. Just like Peter. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, and they came to take Jesus away. What did Peter do? Pulled out his sword, start slicing and dicing, cut off somebody's ear. See? Boundless courage. He was with Jesus, ready to roll, right? Same Peter. They're on the water. I'm going to get out. I'm going to get out and walk to Jesus. Unwavering faith, mostly. Right? This was Peter. He was Jesus' ride or die. When he was with Jesus, he could do anything. But I find it interesting. Just a few verses after he slices off the dude's ear, he's ready to roll. A few verses later, he gets confronted by a little girl, a little slave girl. Matthew 26, she says, You were with Jesus, the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. So you're telling me when you're with Jesus, you're ready to go to war. Apart from him, you cower to a little girl. This is what happens when we don't stay with Jesus. Peter, he figured it out like he always did, right? And Jesus loved that about him. Jesus restored him to his high calling. Remember, he called Peter the rock on which he would build his church. He forgave Peter over and over again. And then as promised, after Jesus ascended back up into heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit. And on the day of, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, who was now filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was with him, the Holy Spirit was with him forever. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what he did? He led 3,000 people to the Lord. He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. 
And he, write, he recites this psalm from King David. It's in Acts 2.22. And when I read this, I want you to read it knowing that the Lord is with you too. That the Holy Spirit is in you and upon you too. Make it personal. It says, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope. For you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Church, this is who we're with. This is who is with us. He is in us and upon us, and he's called us up, and he's called us out to lead to lead with the gifts that he's placed on the inside of us, to lead in the role that he's placed us in. We have to do this. No one else is doing it, and if they are doing it, they're doing it all wrong. Just turn the TV on. This is about us. We are the body of Christ. If you're sitting in here today, Jesus has called you. Don't disqualify yourself. He's gifted you for it. He's placed you in a role for it. These people in this room, they are so for you. You may not even met anyone yet, but they are so for you. I'm your biggest fan. And we're with him. And he's with us. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.